You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back to another edition of NFL University, the show where we educate you on all things across the National Football League landscape. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride. NFL University is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNNFL only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. It's just me and Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co. on today's NFL Combine edition of NFL University. Kyle Posey wanted to be here, but he was having some technical difficulties. So we're carrying the show today, and there's a ton of news to get to out of the NFL Combine. But before we get into that, I just want to know, Justice, are you a Batman fan? Because I'm going to see the Batman tonight, and I could spend this entire podcast just talking about how excited I am about this movie. I'm... I'm pretty much like out on the superhero movies and just there's just way too many of them. So like I just feel like I have to catch up to like 80 hours of content to to be re-upped on on, like what is even going on in these things. The two that I I generally watch are the Batman movies and the Spider-Man movies just because I feel like you can just pop me into them and I I know what's going on pretty early on. So I'll probably see the uh, Batman movie at some point sure oh it's gonna be incredible matt reeves is one of my favorite directors i've been waiting for this movie for years i am so ready to go see it tonight i'm sure my twitter timeline will be absolutely flooded with batman takes this evening after i go see the movie but you guys are gonna have uh lashawn mccoy stay away from your twitter account no spoilers (laughs) this time. yeah no spoilers i don't do that uh i and i certainly wouldn't do it as blatantly as lashawn mccoy did just ruined a movie for thousands of people (laughs) still angry at him about that um but no we're not here to talk about the batman uh i i could talk about that for hours but we've got plenty of stuff to get you caught up on from the nfl combine uh we start with and this is just a quick note the nfl did announce their international games earlier this week this is really just a gripe that i gotta get off my chest really quick because There's a lot of rumor that the Kansas City Chiefs, after the NFL kind of dictated, these are the teams that these national international fan bases are going to root for. The Chiefs got Germany. So Germany is now fans of the Kansas City Chiefs. If you believe what the NFL says, makes all the sense in the world for the Chiefs to play the Bucs in Germany next season. And the Bucs have already been announced for those international games. But the NFL made this whole deal about it. Scott Hansen, Twitter posts, be locked in tomorrow at this time for these international games to be announced. Then they only announced half of them. And they did not announce the Kansas City Chiefs. So we had to change up all of our programming at Arrowhead Pride. And they're not going to announce the rest of them until the schedule release, which is in like two months. So I'm just annoyed. They made this huge show of it. Can we stop dragging our feet on some of this stuff? It's how I feel about the Combine, too. Like, 
I'm just ready for the drills. Let's go. Let's get into this. I'm ready for the combine to start. I, we don't need three days of media before we, we actually see guys run 40s. Yeah. No, I mean, it is. it does feel like a giant time waste. I mean, the, the thing with the schedule release is, like, we already know which teams are playing which teams. And we even know who is home and away, right? So why why do we need to wait so long? Like, they can generate a schedule release, like, the day after the season and be like, yep, this is what we want. I guess they're waiting for the draft and free agency so that they can lock in certain matchups, right? So it's like, hey, there's going to be two bad teams. We need them on a primetime game. How about uh, we play the rookie quarterbacks on Thursday night football in week two? Like stuff like that, yeah. I guess, makes sense. But I don't know. Not announcing who's going to be playing in London, in Germany, in Mexico City was kind of interesting to me. And then, you know, Packers fans kind of thought that they were going to get the Germany game. Um, the Packers had been the last holdout for not playing an international game. Uh, and they have it counted. You know, they're going to play in London this year. It's going to count as a home game. Um, one of the big reasons is like just how much like local revenue comes from Packers games and like losing a home game. And they even talked about how, uh, you know, getting up to 17 games definitely makes it more palatable for like every team in the league to be able to like lose a home game. Okay. You only go down to eight games. Well, that's what we used to have. Right. So, um, it is kind of interesting to me. One green Bay got the London game instead of going to Germany because it seems more of like a fit that you know just wisconsin just based off of like where people come from it makes more sense for them to to show up to the german game kp you in here now oh he's <laughs> muted get him out of here yeah well kyle Puzzy did show up after we announced that he was having technical difficulties but we still can't hear him so we don't know what's going on um F- final point about the uh the international <laughs> games here um it does seem like they're going to be real strict about like if your team was allocated in like the uh, what do you call it? Like the the international allocation of teams, right? Where it's like the Panthers are now a German team. Like that's going to matter for hosting these games. Um, so that's interesting because you look at kind of some of the other spots, like are they going to play a game in, in China, a home game in China for the Rams at any point? Because if that's what this is, like, the home fan allocation stuff and it being tied to the franchise level, then is the NFL looking at international expansion way beyond just, you know, Germany, London, and uh, Mexico city. Yeah. We don't need to drag this out anymore. NFL. Can we, can we just move past this and and get over all of this stuff? I just want to know if the chiefs are going to Germany, our friends, the the great British chief show on the Arrowhead pride podcast network. Just want to know if they need to book plans to go to Germany to watch the chiefs. That's all we need to know. So again, we're over the announcements. Stop making a big deal. We don't need to drag this out anymore. NFL, I understand that's the culture now. You got to do everything for social media, interaction, TV ratings. So you got to drum up as much interaction as you possibly can. Just give us the international games. That's that's all we ask for. But there's been plenty of other news to come out of this week's NFL Combine so far. Uh, again, we'll have wide receivers, tight ends, and quarterbacks should be performing some drills on Thursday. So we'll finally get some NFL Combine action that day. But the first two days of NFL Combine are really just media days. We've got players, coaches, general managers, all speaking with the media. And Dallas Cowboys head coach Mike McCarthy did confirm earlier this week that Dak Prescott is having offseason shoulder surgery. It is on his non-throwing shoulder. However, 
he is expected to be ready to go for the start of Cowboys camp and all that stuff. It's not expected to be something that, you know, hinders him at the start of next season. But Justice, we talked about Dak Prescott and, and the kind of ups and downs of this Dallas Cowboys team a lot throughout the year where at times you were like, this is one of the most talented teams in football, but you got to worry about Mike McCarthy and the way he's going to hold them back. And then at the end of the season, they really just kind of floundered and, and just looked like they c- couldn't put things together. And you know, maybe Dak Prescott was really injured and that was affecting his play, but I'm just a little bit worried about this Cowboys team as long as Mike McCarthy is the head coach and really the ceiling there, even though we know they are extremely talented. No, I agree. I I think the foot injury was the big one for Dak because even, you know, early on in the season when he was banged up and he was a little bit limited in terms of what his arm strength could do, he was operating like, you know, Drew Brees and just being able to be very efficient with quick game stuff operating at the line of scrimmage. It was the foot injury, I think, that limited his mobility. That really was like what kind of put the worst of Dak's uh, 2021 film out there, I guess. And McCarthy, I mean, those worries aren't ever going to go away. Like McCarthy is the same dude he was in Green Bay. He he was at the presser I saw, and someone asked him, like, are you using uh, Tony Pollard enough? And he said that it was a convenient – it was a convenient criticism. And I'm like, what does that even mean? You give him the damn ball. Like that, that's very like, don't trust what your eyes are seeing statement from McCarthy. Listen, Mike McCarthy is just bad at press conferences. Um, he always leaves something to be desired. I feel like every time he speaks with the media and then, you know, the Cowboys were asked earlier this week about if they're would ever consider going all in the way the Rams did. And, if they would kind of, you know, push all their chips into the center to try to get that Super Bowl. And I believe it was Steven Jones was just like, yeah, we're not really going to mortgage our future that way. Like, we're, we're really not trying to to hurt ourselves down the line. And that's not really what you want to hear if you're Cowboys fans. When you haven't won a Super Bowl in, I don't know, how many years? 25 years or something like that? Also, like, how old is Jerry? Uh I mean, you, like, young. what are you? How much of a future are we talking about, Jerry? He's seventy nine years old. Like, I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah, and you know, and the Cowboys already are kind of strapped for cash. You know, they got Michael Gallup, Dalton Schultz. Like, those are important offensive pieces who are probably going to hit free agency unless they can, you know, work some of that cap space out. But they do have still plenty of young talent, you know, C.D. Lamb. Amari Cooper's being talked about as a possible cap casualty. So this might have been that window for this Cowboys team. Like, they might just be ready to move on and kind of retool this thing. I'm not really sure. So we'll have to figure all of Between, that out. It's like the, the Amari deal, the Demarcus Lawrence deal. Like, that was really them going all in, right? It, it was that window. And then, obviously, you had some injuries to Dak that, like, you can't necessarily plan for like you're screwed no matter what if that happens right there is no backup plan to your franchise quarterback getting hurt but it does seem like we're coming to the end of like that era of you know those free agent signings or or re-signings is probably the better way to to say it um but yeah i mean they're gonna have to take a long look in the mirror and say like how do we want to build this team around Dak for the next five years right yeah, they they had a window with this offensive line, especially being the best unit in football. And I, I do agree, like it feels like that window for sure is on the back half and, and probably coming to a close at some point. So Dallas Cowboys got a lot of questions uh, 
And, and, you know, we'll see how things go with Mike McCarthy. He refused to address the Sean Payton stuff, as you would expect. But it doesn't seem like it's trending in the right direction. What Another team that it seems like is probably going to be in a rebuild is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and head coach Bruce Arians met with the media at the NFL Combine as well. He was asked, you know, if Brady decides he wants to come out of retirement, but he doesn't want to play for Tampa and he wants to go somewhere else, like, would the Bucks oblige him in that? Will they, you know, what would they ask to move move on from Brady? And Bruce Arians was basically just like, well, we're not going to do that. We're, we're, that's, that's bad business for us. If somebody wants to give us five first-round picks, then we'll talk about moving Brady. But other than that, if Brady plays next season, it's going to be for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, Bruce is up there at age too, right? Like, why the hell does he care about yeah. draft picks? And he's, he's had like, health problems before. Yeah, he's like, he's dude, I got like three more years left. I am not trading Tom Brady for pennies on the dime. And I get that. And that's a very convenient stance to have in early March. The The big thing I would say with Tampa, right? Let's say they're, they're already not in a good cap situation because of all the void years that they signed, all the extensions that they signed. They're a, ver- a veteran team that very much had a window. What happens if, let's say, you you get a quarterback like a Jimmy Garoppolo or whatever, and uh, you, you build your franchise out to, like, right to the limit of the cap space, which is probably what they're going to have to do. And then come July, Tom Brady's like, hey, I want to unretire. And uh, my cap hit immediately hits, you know, your roster. The, the moment I unretire and I don't want to play with you. So I'll just hold out, you know, on, on the bench. So you have to clear all this cap space, make your own team, you know, worse in like the end of this window that you have. Then what do you do? Right? Like you could say in March, Hey, we won't be trading Tom Brady for pennies on the dime. When you have the cap space to have Tom Brady and hold him hostage on your roster. But once that goes away, you know, after a free agency, I think the conversation changes a little bit and maybe that's maybe that's Tom Brady's play. I mean, that's basically what Favre did, right? Like Favre was like, all right, I'm coming back. You don't want me to start. You have to send me elsewhere. And he wanted to be sent to uh, what was it? Minnesota and Tampa, because those were teams that had quarterback openings that would play the Packers that season. And the Packers just said to hell with you. We're trading you to the jets. So I don't know. Be careful what you wish for. Cause Tom, maybe what he comes out of retirement and then he's like traded somewhere else. Like, I don't think he has a no trade clause on his deal. Yeah. The bucks have a lot of things to figure it out. And there was a report yesterday from pewter report, which is generally a pretty reliable source of Tampa Bay Buccaneers news that the bucks are expected to bring back Chris Godwin. Now that window hasn't really opened yet. So They can't put a lot of that information out, but according to them, they're expected to work out some kind of deal with Chris Godwin to bring him back. And he was expected to be a highly touted free agent. So there's got to be some stuff going on there. And, and, you know, they, they just had their pro bowl guard retire at the age of 28. So that's going to free up some money for them. That was, I think that was kind of shocking, honestly. I mean, Marpet was one of the best, guards in the league and i know he got banged up in the playoffs and stuff like that but he he went from a guy who i remember when he came out of the draft he was a d3 guy out of hobart um he got a senior bowl invite because the packers organization watches every guy who plays blindside left tackle for more than three years at college like it doesn't matter what level of play you are if you're playing d3 d2 fcs fbs 
they're going to watch you. They're going to grade you out and they're going to give you like the time of day there. They gave the suggestion of him going to the senior bowl and Ali Marpet's like family somehow knew like a film director. So like his college all 22 was on like this like agent representation site on the back end. And to see him go from that to then the highest levels of, you know, guard play to then retirement that early on was really surprising to me. I mean, I guess at some point it's like the Aaron Donald thing where people were talking about him potentially retiring like the day before the, the, the Super Bowl, where it's like you got the accolades, right? So you, no one can say that you weren't at the top of your game. You got your money. You got a ring. What else is there? And I guess if, if you're going to retire that early, um, do it. I, I personally would turn down like a 20 whatever million dollars a year to play football. But if you already have it in the bank, like, Maybe money isn't worth it. Maybe this is like a new era of football, I guess. Yeah. And at 28 years old, everything that you've accomplished already, like you got a Super Bowl ring, you got that big contract. Now you can just go enjoy life. And you don't. But here's the thing I have I feel like retiring at 28 is overrated. What are you going to do? What are you going to do for 50, 50 years? 50 years of traveling? I feel like I'd be bored within 12 months. Within 12 months, I will just be like sitting in my house playing video games. I don't know what Ali Marpet's hobbies are or what he does outside of football. Maybe he's got a lot of other interests. I don't know. And I do. 28 does feel young. I feel like if you could retire by like 34, that's like a good number. 34, 35 years old. But 28 is very young. Like I was still at 28 years old and I'm only 32 now, but I was still doing some reckless things at 28 years old. So credit to him. I, I, he retired on top and had a lot of success in his short NFL career. Uh, Keeping the quarterbacks conversation going Colts general manager, Chris Ballard did speak with the media again, as several general managers, head coaches are all throughout the week. And he did not sound like they are sold on Carson Wentz returning as their quarterback. We've talked about it a little bit. It's going to be difficult uh, for them to move Carson Wentz just because of, you know, you gave up a first round pick for him because of how much he played last season. He still owed uh, a significant chunk of money, but the Colts are a team that is talented that could be really competitive if they weren't being held back by Carson Wentz. And if you read into anything that Chris Ballard said, it sounds like they know that and they're aware of it and they're ready to try to make a move. If they can find somebody who's interested in Carson Wentz. It kind of feels like the Colts as a collective organization is talking out of both sides of their mouth right now, where one side is we will turn over every stone search for whatever we need to do to find the quarterback that can lead us back to the promised land. And then they ask about Carson Wentz, and they're like, hey, are you going to move off of him? And they're like, oh, maybe. It's like, okay, it can't be both. It can't be yeah. both. So, like, just come out and say, like, you're going to move Carson. Like, it's, it's fine. We expect it. I don't think there's going to be that much of a trade value. So, like, why are you just lying in front of our faces for what is probably not going to change anything? Yeah, and then. You know, hit up a team like Washington, like Washington really, really needs a quarterback and they could be desperate enough to make a deal for Carson Wentz. But I I just can't imagine he's going to have a lot of suitors because we saw him last season. We we saw him play an entire NFL regular season and he just was not very good. And the thing is, like the quarterback market is so much there's such a higher demand now than there was even last offseason. Right. Um, Just just off of guys who fell off 
guys who retired, guys who did, are clearly not panning out as, you know, rookie picks. Like, look at uh, Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones probably going in the last offseason. There's probably some optimism from, from Giants fans that he was going to turn it around. They didn't pick up his fifth-year option, though, right? So, like, that, it's basically done. Um, talking to agents recently, just kind of figuring out, like, what the Packers would do uh, in a post Rogers type of situation. And we can get into that later, but there are going to be some quarterbacks that I think people are going to be surprised that are going to get starting jobs like uh, Mitch Trubisky, uh, Marcus Mariota, Andy Dalton. There's a real chance. Andy Dalton starts games for, for a franchise in week one. So like do not discount, you know, a, a team being able to sign Wentz and, and get him in as a starter somewhere else. I, think, I just don't think it's going to come on a trade in that contract. It kind of seems like Mitch Trubisky is like a hot name right now. Like Mitch is picking up some steam to be a starter this season after sitting behind Josh Allen last year. Look, man, if if Dayball fixed Mitch to the point where he's going to live up to that number three pick expectation, Dayball is, is going to be worth his weight in gold with the Giants. Um, with that being said, I think Mitch is a like okay quarterback. Though my whole pitch on Mitch though is like one, you better come fairly cheap, right? Two, you better run his ass. Like you better start doing some of that Taysom Hill stuff. Like I think we saw in Chicago when you ran him, even on like the empty pin and pull stuff where he's basically like a wildcat quarterback. That's when Chicago was at their best. When you when you have to, you know, cover all of what Mitch Trubisky brings to the table. If you're just gonna make him a straight drop back passer. And you're going to pay him a good amount. Like if he's making ten plus million dollars a year to be a pocket quarterback, you're in a you're, you're using Mitch Trubisky wrong. That's not the way to do it. Yeah, I I totally agree with you. Like he's he's a mobile guy. That's the best part of his game. Like that's the way he needs to be utilized. And you mentioned Marcus Mariota. We talked about this on NFL Reacts. I would love to see Marcus Mariota land with the Colts. I think it would be a great spot for him because I think. After you know taking a couple years as a backup with the Las Vegas Raiders, I still think that Marcus Mariota could come in and be a good player. Like he, he's ever going to live up to the the draft billing, but I think he could still be a strong NFL starting quarterback. And he might be a cost effective guy. Like if you really really can't move on from Carson Wentz without taking a, a huge hit in the cap department. Like Marcus Mariota might be a guy that you could bring in and then you have yourself a little quarterback competition. But I assume that Marcus Mariota would hopefully wind up being the starter in that situation. Yeah. And I think the big thing to remember about Marcus Mariota, because a lot of people are going to look back at the end of his Tennessee run and say like, why are you making this guy a starter again? He had very serious like nerve issues in that, in, in, in his elbow to the point where like, he couldn't feel the football on his throwing hand. Um, so it sounds like that stuff is cleared up. And since then, he's been able to put up solid film, you know, with the Raiders. So that is kind of the pitch for Mariota, where the pitch for Trubisky is like, you got to trust us. All the guys in Buffalo say that he's a lot better in practice now. At least you have the firm film of it with Mariota. Sounds like Kyle Posey has figured out his technical difficulties, but uh, we ran out of time for KP just before we're going to talk about 49ers quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo, who is going to have shoulder surgery now, which complicates things for the 49ers trying to move on from him. Obviously, he's going to be one of the most popular trade targets for those quarterback needy teams. 
But now with the shoulder surgery, it's going to be an expected 16 weeks before Jimmy Garoppolo can throw again. And so I have to imagine that's going to diminish a lot of, if any, trade value that he had for the 49ers. I, I just don't know who's going to be willing to pay up for him when they can't see him throw for months. And it just doesn't seem like it's it, it's going to favor the 49ers in any way. I, I Yeah, I mean, it's a tough pill to swallow if, if you're, you know, the Niners looking for compensation, especially in this quarterback market. With that being said, wasn't Drew Brees signed by the Saints like like when he had a, a fairly similar injury in terms of him not being able to be able to throw for them? Yeah. Like they, they so didn't know what they were getting. Right, He had a significant shoulder injury that he was not able to throw at all, like in the months leading up to that season. And obviously Drew Brees, he did have good years with the Chargers, but he went to New Orleans and like reinvented himself with Sean Payton and became a, a future first ballot hall of famer. I, I don't think that he, you could expect to get that from Jimmy. That's Cooper. that's fair. I, I'm, I'm just saying, I, I think there's precedent here. Like if KP was saying in, in the chat beforehand, and it's too bad he couldn't figure out a damn computer in, in 2022. Um, he was saying beforehand, like if that's the situation, they're probably going to end up cutting him. You know, they're, they're not just going to sit on his cap space just to sit on his cap space. And if that's the situation, I could easily see a, a team, you know, Tampa, the Pittsburgh, Washington, Denver. There, there's plenty of teams out here who need quarterbacks that would take a flyer on him at the very least and have him compete with someone. You know, like if, if you're Denver and you have Drew Locke under contract and you can get Jimmy Garoppolo, who would be a pretty clear upgrade, I would say, over Drew Locke. Wouldn't you just sign him and then say, like, hey, in July, we're going to have this quarterback competition. If Jimmy isn't right, then at the very least, we get locked and we're not spending much on a quarterback. Yeah, I think that's actually really interesting. I would think that Denver would be a team that would be seriously interested in him. And you know, when they spoke with the media this week. They mentioned like we've got Drew Locke and we've got, I think, Brett Ripien as our quarterbacks right now. So obviously we need an upgrade yeah. at that situation. And they've got the offensive weapons. And so you could even if let's say Jimmy Garoppolo, things get complicated and it takes a little bit longer than you anticipate for him to get back onto the field. You could roll into next season with Drew Locke as your starting quarterback in the hope that Jimmy Garoppolo winds up being your starter eventually in the season. And I would have to imagine if he gets released here, it's not going to cost as much to sign him because teams just aren't going to be willing to fork up, you know, $20 million for Jimmy Garoppolo when they can't even see him throw a football. Right. I, I, I don't think he's going to get paid a good amount of money. I think, I really think, you know, that, that release scenario is more interesting to me because he could easily sign some sort of like, very option-based deal. Like, remember when Richard Sherman had blown out his Achilles and then he signed with the Niners? And it was, like, this very weird contract that was basically, like, you're basically playing for free that first year. But if you do, like, anything of significance post-injury, your salary just shoots up like crazy. I could see a team signing something like that for Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, and... That would make sense, um, you know, see see what he's got. And we've seen that Jimmy, while he's not an elite quarterback, he can be a serviceable starting quarterback in the NFL. Um, another guy who's looking to get paid is Arizona Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray. 
I don't know what the hell that statement was by Kyler Murray's agent. Uh, this whole negotiation or I, I guess not even really a negotiation. It's really just Kyler Murray saying, this is what I want. Give it to me. And now the Arizona Cardinals did extend general manager Steve Kime as well as head coach Cliff Kingsbury through the 2027 season. So they got those guys locked up. They're going to be there for a while. And you have to imagine they're going to work out some long-term deal with Kyler Murray eventually. But they released like a really small print, really long statement. And I was just personally, I was really annoyed that I had to read the entire thing before my NFL update. Because I was like, I have to know what this says. Oh, I didn't read it. I I made it like four lines. It was like like, 400 words. I was like, what is this? Yeah. Um, I, I think Burkhart was the guy who released that. He represents both Murray and Cliff Kingsbury. I kind of think that that statement was very much like, you got to bring everyone back. Like Kyler knows Cliff is his guy. Kyler wants to get paid. And those are the conditions of keeping Kyler Murray. It's you have to extend Cliff Kingsbury, um, who we, we mentioned on the show multiple times throughout the year. Like he was associated with that, that Oklahoma opening when Arizona was still an undefeated NFL team, right? Like it seemed like they were leveraging for a contract extension by midseason. So this was just something that this is the the cost of play, right? For the Cardinals. I, I think it's simple as that. Um, if you are the Cardinals, I mean, at this point, if your quarterback has any potential to be, you know, first, second team, all pro, because, you know, we'll, we'll say that because uh, the pro bowl just means nothing anymore. If your quarterback has any potential to be a first or second team all pro type of quarterback, you might as well sign him earlier than later because the, the price of quarterbacks is just going up. Like, do you want to sign Kyler after Lamar gets his, his extension? Probably not. So, like, just just get it done. Just get it done. Yeah, you look at what the Kansas City Chiefs did with Patrick Mahomes and you know, and what the Bills did with Josh Allen, like those contracts are flexible and those quarterbacks are still getting paid plenty of money. And Patrick Mahomes, the way some of these quarterbacks are getting paid now, his deal looks like it's a steal, but it takes these huge jumps, but there's flexibility within the language of the contract for the Chiefs to rework the money. That way they can free up cap space down the line. It's something we saw Tom Brady do for years and years to help the Patriots free up cap space. So, that seems like the strategy, and maybe that's not what Kyler Murray wants. Maybe Kyler Murray wants more guaranteed money, wants to be the highest-paid quarterback. So we'll see. But all of this just seems like it's just off-season drama and, and hype and stuff. Like I think the Cardinals are inevitably going to sign Kyler Murray long-term. I, I don't see any scenario where he's not an Arizona Cardinal in the near future. The Green Bay Packers, however, have some question marks about their quarterback. Well, I think it's seeming more and more likely, and we've talked about it a ton already, that I don't think any big-name quarterback is going to be moved this offseason, aside from possibly Deshaun Watson. like He would be the one that I would assume is going to play for a different team. I think everybody else is probably going to stay put, and the Packers said this week that they haven't even received any trade offers for Aaron Rodgers. So it seems like Other NFL teams who are calling up a lot of organizations right now trying to see what guys want ahead of the NFL draft to potentially make trades and stuff like that. It seems like the NFL knows Aaron Rodgers is going back to Green Bay. I if look, I am a betting man. I was going to say if I were a betting man, I am a betting man. I am betting that Aaron Rodgers is coming back Um, the way that they have moved their cap situation situation around completely like 
they've just pushed everything forward. They basically are maxed out on terms of like all of the deals that they could push future money for. The, their next moves are like extend Jair Alexander so he doesn't have like a $3 million con- or cap hit immediately. Uh, release guys like Randall Cobb, probably Zedaria Smith, rework a deal with an extension and void years with Preston Smith and Adrian Amos. That's basically all they can do left on their roster. Like the easy stuff they got done. They wouldn't have pushed that money forward to create immediate cap space if Rodgers isn't coming back, right? Like they're not pushing David Bakhtiari's money, Aaron Jones's money, uh, Kenny Clark's money, or at least in terms of their cap hits forward. If Jordan Love is a quarterback, that, that that it doesn't make sense to kind of free up money for a window if your quarterback is virtually unproven. So I do think that they're all in on Rodgers. Um, you know, Tom Clements, who's his old quarterbacks coach from like I think it was like 2006 to like 2016, uh, is now back in Green Bay, and he took over as quarterbacks coach after Luke Gutsy became the play calling offensive coordinator for the Chicago bears. So there's a lot of things in play. I think Um, I kind of thought he was going to make the announcement yesterday, you know, on Tuesday with the Pat McAfee show, but he just never showed up, which I kind of thought was odd. Like he's basically on there every Tuesday. I have to spend, you know, three hours watching the thing. It's all right. Um, But yeah, I I just figured he would have made that decision by then. I mean, you could technically already tag, Devonte Adams right now, right? Like the window is already open, so we're counting down. And at most, there's two weeks left before this decision is made. Yeah, it feels like those are the scenarios to me that it's you know Rogers announces he's coming back, and they work out some kind of you know short term deal, like two years or whatever, to make sure he gets paid and, and give him his money, or he's going to say that he's going to retire. Like I, I just don't see any scenario yeah. where he actually plays for. Uh, a different team next season. It just doesn't seem um, plausible. Worth noting, uh, Gutekunst yesterday basically said that, you know, whether Rodgers comes back or not, like, Devontae will be in a Packers uniform. Like, we will tag him. So, I guess you you would think that the decision has to be made a lot earlier, right? Because if they cannot work out the long-term deals for Rodgers and Devontae, which would lower, you know, their immediate cap hits, they can really only keep one on the roster. So the day you tag Devontae, you have to have traded or, you know, uh, have Rodgers retired by then. So this is going to have to happen relatively soon. I mean, who knows when it's actually going to happen. The entire league is at the combine. Maybe it happens next week um, when, when everyone's back home. But you would think that this has to be coming within the next 10 days. Yeah, it it feels like it's going to happen soon and we'll have confirmation so we don't have to keep dissecting every little thing that Aaron Rodgers says or posts. Thank God, man. Two years, two years of this. Uh, Seattle Seahawks head coach Pete Carroll spoke with the media, of course, and said that they have absolutely no intention of Russell Wilson. He did add that plenty of teams are calling, seeing maybe if they would be interested, but he added that that's what you do this time of year. They're calling about multiple players or whatever. I would have to imagine all the calls they're getting are about Russell Wilson. Um, But it seems like they have zero intention of moving him. Just like I said before, I I don't think Russell Wilson is playing for another team next year. I think it's pretty clear that he's going to be a a Seattle Seahawk. No, I agree. And I I think the Matthew Stafford trade, people don't analyze it correctly. Right. Because I think a lot of people look at it and they say, 
Well, you only had to trade that much because you got off of Jared Goff's contract. No, the Lions viewed him as a starting caliber quarterback. Like that was also priced into that. So when people are talking about the price for an Aaron Rodgers or a Russell Wilson, it almost has to be more than three first round picks because depending on, on you know what the situation is like, if those are future picks, right? Two of them are future picks. Those picks, you got to assume that they're like the 26th pick in the draft at absolute worst, right? So that's kind of how that ends up setting up where it's like, those are basically like early second round picks, not necessarily first round picks. Um, I just don't know what team is in a situation to be able to trade for Russell Wilson. Like it's not the giants, right? We always hear he wants to be in a big market. Seems like he's kind of turned down the Washington situation, which I don't blame him. Cause it seems like they might even have to go through a uh, ownership change <laughs> relatively soon. Um, Denver is in the same type of situation. Ownership change is going to come pretty quickly. Someone just needs to tell me like where Russ is in a better spot to compete long-term than Seattle. Yeah, we might get another list from Russell Wilson's agent or whatever <laughs> of teams that he prefers, but I, I just well, la- even last year, him. right? It was Chicago. Chicago's got a quarterback now. It was the the New York teams. They the Jets probably have a quarterback that they're locked into in the short term. The Giants are <sighs> I just don't think that they have the assets. Like they're, they're already going through oh. the Saquon Barkley stuff. New Orleans was on the list. Sean Payton's out now, and they're in cap hell. So, like, where are these teams that we're talking about? Yeah, and the Giants have been pretty honest. Like, we got to offload players. We gotta, yeah. we gotta free up some of this money and, and just take a hatchet to this roster. They're like, did you see there. what Dave Gettleman did <laughs> yeah. to our team? Yeah, our just like, Dave Gettleman was out here just running this team into the ground for several years. So we got to rebuild this thing from the bottom. And so, yeah, I I just don't see Russell Wilson getting moved. And you got to think about Pete Carroll, who is an older head coach. Like Pete Carroll's not trying to go through a a total rebuild in Seattle. I I don't think that Pete Carroll has any interest in that. And I think he's got a lot of power in that organization. So is it Pete's the second oldest uh, NFL coach in the league? Like he's always the surprisingly old guy just because, He's been in like California weather his whole life. Yeah, so he, he looks good for his healthy. age. Yeah, like yeah. good for Pete. It looks like the bubble gum. It's the bubble <laughs> yeah. gum. Yeah, but Pete Carroll is old, and I don't think he has any interest in going through a total rebuild and like starting over with a a young quarterback or a rookie quarterback or somebody who's just not the caliber of Russell Wilson. I, I just don't see it happening. But let's take a quick time out right here, and then when we get back. We're going to discuss some of the head coaches who chose not to attend the NFL Combine and kind of discuss what the NFL Combine is really for because there's been a lot of conversation around, you know, the bubble stuff and all everything that the players went through to get that stuff out of the NFL Combine and, you know, whether or not the players should even be paid for attending the NFL Combine. And Justice has been grinding some tape on some wide receivers and edge players, so we'll get into a few of those guys coming up next on NFL University. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. we got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I have some exciting news for you, class. Your time starts now. NFL. Crash course? This doesn't happen very often. You're going to enjoy this one. Welcome back into NFL University. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride, joined as always by Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co. Justice, as the NFL Combine continues, uh, Rams head coach Sean McVay, New York Jets head coach Robert Sala, and Niners head coach Kyle Shanahan are not in attendance at this week's NFL Combine. I don't think that this matters that much. Uh, You know, people say, oh, these head coaches aren't at the Combine. What's going on? Why aren't they, like, evaluating these players? I think a lot of this has to do with the fact that they trust their scouting departments. They trust the people who are evaluating those players and you know they can go to those departments especially like in Kyle Shanahan's case like you'll go to them and say these are the guys that we're interested in this is what we need this is this is the type of player that we like to draft or whatever it's just kind of a lot of these events and stuff like that these days like especially the NFL combine is a lot more for media and teams and coaches and general managers stuff to kind of mingle and make connections and share business cards like that's really kind of the event that it's become well, the other thing, too, is like one, it's a giant collusion uh, or, or just t- tampering fest, right? Like free agency basically is going to get figured out this week. Like, yeah, that, that's the truth, um, at least in terms of like the the top guys, I guess I would say. The, the combine is still important for a couple of reasons. Um, obviously, media access is nice just in terms of being able to generate content. I do think the on-field drills they very much do matter and they matter in different ways for different positions. But like having that historical uh, comparison for athletes is very important. Um, Teams definitely still look at it. Like it's not, it's not just film, like guys will move up and down or at least be brought up again in draft rooms because of uh, what they do on the field. The biggest thing is still uh, the, the medicals, right? Um, we're going to talk about it in a little bit with all these banged up wide receivers, but being able to have everyone be medically checked instead of having to bounce around every college in the country by 32 individual teams is still a massive deal and why the combine is never going to go away. The interviews is the part that I always thought was easily the most overrated. I mean, when, when we were working with XFL and stuff, we would talk to guys and like, they didn't even really care that much. Like the coaches didn't really care that much. The biggest thing was, it seems like scouts always overrate it because it's their job to overrate it where they're like, no personality is like 90% of player evaluation. And it's like, that it simply is not true. And you talk to a lot of guys in the league and the amount of times that like, frankly, bad and overdrafted players just get blamed for having bad personalities is the reason why they flunked is very surprising. Like so many things get blamed on, character more than just this guy couldn't play football um so it doesn't surprise me that a lot of these guys especially who know the game pretty well 
and don't have first round picks, right? Like Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, they just came off of really long years. They don't have first round picks. Like, why do they need to be there? How about they take some time off and, and figure out like free agency or something or spend time with their families, you know, while they can before this long grind of the offseason comes. That makes sense to me. Um, Robert Salah not showing up is kind of interesting to me because the Jets do have picks, unlike uh, Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan. So that, that's the one where I'm kind of scratching my head a little bit. Maybe it is like a McVay tree type of thing to, to not be able to show up to these type of things. But Matt LaFleur is there and he was joking today that like this might be the last time you guys see me because if, if they're going to take it off, I might as well take it off. Yeah. The other thing, too, is like all, all the interviews with the players are filmed. Like we have the video of uh, what was it? Pete Carroll taking his shirt off with DK Metcalf because DK Metcalf walked in with the shirt off to the player meeting. Like all these things are filmed and end up getting sent back to the team, like almost instantly in the same way that like combo or uh, shrine game and senior bowl practices are like guys don't necessarily have to be there every moment of the day to figure out what is going on. So if all you're going to do is have the scouts ask some pretty bland questions and have your GM meet with free uh, with agents of free agents, you don't have to be there, right? Because you're already a head coach. Why do you need to network and, and move up the coaching race? You, you're already there. So why do you need to show up? Well, and they had to put in some regulations about the NFL combine interview process because of yeah. some of the absurd things that people in these organizations were asking these kids <laughs> that are coming out of college. Dude, I'm telling you, like the the what i don't know if it's the opening scene in moneyball but like when they're talking about like the player's girlfriend and stuff like dog that is still how nfl scouts operate like th that is still a thing like well, one one thing that i remember i was told when i was with the xfl and i was just talking to guys about like how they scout generally and like what their process is one thing that always comes up is like they like really want to know what the parent situation is but they can't ask like was your daddy around? So what they end up doing is they ask, what do your parents do for a living? And they get like a roundabout way of being able to get, you know, Hey, do you have a connection with your father? And like stuff like that is just still like, there, there's no science that backs that. Right. It's very caveman. Like that's what we're talking about when we talk about these player interviews that, that scouts overrate strongly. Right. Like that's what we're talking about. Well, and, you know, there's plenty of players over the years who I'm sure just nailed all of the answers, were incredible interviews, and then wound And they were trash not, on the field! Yeah, it wound up just not no being good. good NFL players. Like, yeah, it's, none of that stuff means anything. And, you know, even today it was being reported that uh, UNC quarterback Sam Howell, who is one of those highly touted quarterback prospects, uh, the Eagles had him shoot a basketball on a mini hoop during his interview with them. And he said he only made two of five. So he doesn't think he's high on their board right now. I saw a thing <laughs> early. I think it was Jen Slater uh, tweeted out and was like, yeah, teams are really surprised that like Malik Willis can retain information. I'm like, yeah. what does that like? What are we talking about? Like, just watch the damn film, evaluate the player from that. Like, as long as the yeah. player doesn't have some like, crazy off-field situations like it, it's really a non-factor guys like it's a is has this player done anything criminal no okay we move to the film like it really is as simple as that and you can see it in the film like when especially like a quarterback when a quarterback really like reads through his progressions you're like oh that guy knows exactly where everyone on the field is supposed to be like that guy's yeah. got a good grasp uh, of everything and so 
the interviews are a total waste of time. I agree with you. Like the medicals are super important and that's the big deal uh, of trying to evaluate right. how healthy a player is, especially coming off of an injury. And you know, as far as the drills go, listen, I love watching the combine. I'm somebody who will sit around for eight hours and watch, you know, 40 times and cone drills and bench presses and stuff like that. I love all of that stuff. A lot of it I think is meaningless and doesn't really matter that much to the evaluation process, which is why you see so many players nowadays just say, I'm not doing any of this stuff at the combine. Like I'm not going to throw, I'm not going to run. I'm not going to do all this stuff. You can do all that at my pro day where I get to have the people on the field that I want to work with and the people that I know. That makes sense. There are certain drills. I'm a huge fan. I mean, I worked in, in, player personnel analytics basically with with the xfl so like i'm very in tune with like what matters and what doesn't it will surprise people to know that like it matters the combine matters way more for linemen than it does other positions one of one of the reasons is because they start in a three-point stance like wide receivers don't start in a three-point stance when they run 40 yards downfield that's one reason why a lot of this stuff is weird where a guy like brashad perriman who has a really fast 10 yard split and a really slow max speed ends up having a crazy number because he was a track athlete. And that's what he trained in while all these other wide receivers are coming out of two point stances, the entire, their entire careers. Like a lot of the numbers deserve a lot more context than I think we give them, but the stuff for the linemen is really important. I think like the agility drills, the short shuttle and three cone and stuff like that are, are really underrated. I think the jumps, the jumps don't matter really at all. And, and there's honestly, a lot better ways to measure jumps. Like I, I, I think especially for like wide receivers and like tight end, like pass catchers. And and this is something that they've talked about, like adding combine drills and stuff. I just don't know how many more days you want to, you want to extend the combine beyond it already is where we're already talking about, get it over with, but like a wide receiver, a vertical jump of you just like being stagnant and just jumping into the air and, and touching something as high as you can makes a whole lot less sense than being able to have like a three-step jump where like how long you hang in the air matters, right? Like those are kind of things that I think we can like make adjustments to the combine and they, they deserve context and they shouldn't be, you know, the letter of the law, I guess. But I, I still think it has a ton of value. I still think oh, the on-field oh. stuff, not necessarily the, uh, the drills and the shorts where you're running uh, routes and stuff like that, but like the actual like timed events. On, you know, a wide receiver who's got a 40 inch vertical, like it's not really the same when you're playing a live action NFL game and you're trying to jump over right. a defender like like it doesn't really translate. It doesn't right. mean anything there, but you can see it in the film of, you know, these big body wide receivers like the guys that are really good at going up and getting the football like that. That's the stuff that you want to look at. It's yeah, it's not. It's not all the, yeah, it's not the 40 times. It's not the jumps. It's not the bench press. Like stuff like that is pretty unimportant to the evaluation process, but you have been grinding tape. Let's get into uh, some of the guys that you, that you've watched so far and the guys that have really stood out to you. Yeah. So I guess let's start with the wide receivers. So we don't uh, bore, bore the poor people to sleep about pass rushers. Cause I know they want to, there's plenty of people that are going to be drafting these guys in like fantasy leagues and stuff moving forward. Um, I think the best wide receiver in this draft class, or I guess the top two, are Traylon Burks from Arkansas and Jamison Williams from Alabama. Jamison Williams, obviously, the just speed through the roof. Like this dude is basically like Deshaun Jackson reincarnate. I, I know a lot of people will say Tyreek just because Tyreek is like the flashy speed wide receiver name. He's still like a different player that, than him. 
I think Jamison is a good route runner. He does everything at full speed. Um, he's not going to be able to give you much like in terms of like the run game. I think he'd be a pretty poor fit in like the, the Shanahan McVay type of offenses just because he can't block. But if you're a team that is a spread football team, you want to throw the ball around, even think of like the mold of like the Cincinnati Bengals, right? Like that he would be a great fit in like an offense like that. He's not going to last up until that point. The big thing with Jamison and you're going to hear this a lot with this wide receiver class. He's banged up. He's tore his ACL um, in Indianapolis in that national championship game. So that's going to be the big one. He's obviously not going to run uh, at the combine. The other guy, like I said, is Burks. He's the guy that's going to be compared to DK Metcalf. Um, he was used basically as Arkansas's offense last year. It, it was very weird. Uh, he basically played no snaps as an outside receiver. It was primarily a slot guy. But then they motioned him down to the wing and had him block like a tight end, and they used him in the backfield. Like, they were just trying to get the ball in his hand. He was, like, their one guy. So it's going to be interesting to see him run. He's going to be – I think they said that he's, like, 225-plus. Um, there's a good chance he runs a 4-3. Like, we're Ooh. talking, like, DK Metcalf, Calvin Johnson-level, like, athleticism. So he's going to be a guy that if t- players, teams, whatever, didn't have him top five on the board – they're going to probably going to have him shoot up that wide receiver ranking immediately after the combine. The guy I think is the most misunderstood in this class is Chris Olave, the wide receiver from Ohio state. There's a lot of people that even have Garrett Wilson, uh, his teammate as the number one wide receiver in this class. A lot of people say, you know, number 11, uh, the, the sophomore who's going back to the Buckeyes was the best wide receiver out of all of them. Chris Olave is a top three wide receiver in this draft class alone, not, not a top three wide receiver for Ohio state. Right. So he's a guy who's very smooth. He has enough speed um, to, to be a kind of like a deep threat guy at the NFL level. When you watch him and you watch Garrett Wilson run the same route, like they'll run uh, like stutter goes right. Where you fake a curl and then you go deep. If you watch Olave go in and out of the break and then run deep at the same time as uh, Garrett Wilson's able to do it. Olave gets five yards downfield further faster than um, Wilson does. And I understand Wilson is like this high flying, uh, like acrobatic type of athlete, but he's still pretty stiff in the hips and it makes it hard for him to come out of breaks. So like, I don't, I, I, I don't know if you've seen these guys, Steven, but like, I don't get the, like, I understand Wilson's upside, but like Olave is already there. And I think his upside is pretty close. Like, I don't I don't get why Wilson needs to be the number one wide receiver in this class. Yeah, I, I don't think that that makes sense either, because like I think early in the college football season, we were kind of talking about it differently. And it's like the way I look at wide receivers, and this is really like for fantasy stuff, not real life. But like, you know, when I'm talking about like my dynasty fantasy football leagues, when I'm looking at these young rookie prospects, I look at guys who can get open and who can get open with like the least amount of movement possible like you think Dude, about Devontae every single there. every single scouting report the first sentence on chris olave is just smooth yeah it, it, every single one like this the guy the guy to compare olave to really is calvin ridley like he is yeah. basically calvin Ridley. like just photocopy that guy he's ready to play right now and it's i i think that's one of the easier things to like look at like can this guy translate to nfl success like if you're a really, really good route runner and you can get open against anybody, you're going to find ways to get open in the NFL. Now, 
you know, you think about a guy like Jerry Judy, who's an exceptional route runner, but hasn't panned out quite so much so far in the NFL. I think that has more to do with his situation than Jerry Judy not fu- not being a good player. Like I think Jerry yeah, look Judy. At his, look at his quarterbacks player. plus an injury. Like yeah, he's a young wide receiver. I, I'm still I'm still team Judy. I'm I'm buying stock and Judy figuring it out just because he was one of these type of you know elite type of wide receivers coming out. Yeah, like you and you mentioned Calvin Ridley and. Like I think of like a Deontay Johnson, like who isn't looked at is necessarily like, you know, elite, elite athletic type of wide receiver, but he's such a good route runner. He's always going to find ways to get open. And that's what makes him a successful NFL player. So yeah, I like guys who can get open with the routes, uh, not necessarily the guys that are, that are just going to fly, but I, mean, Jamison Williams, I'm bummed that he got injured so late in the year, but if somehow he fell to the Kansas city chiefs, that would be like a dream scenario for me uh, for the chiefs at pick 30 in the first round of the NFL draft. There, there's a couple other wide receivers. I like um, Justin Ross. He is like my, he is like my guy for green base pick. That is like, just t- turn the card in. If he's there. Um, I think if he didn't have injury questions, he would be a guy that we would talk as a potential top 15 type of guy. He is so quick off of the line of scrimmage. He's able to be a vertical guy instantly. Um, they don't run that many routes at Clemson, so he's not going to be as evolved as like a Chris Olave or a Jameson Williams um, just in terms of a route runner. But we've seen Clemson guys come into the league and figure out that route running stuff out pretty quickly. Like Clemson just very much runs kind of like a high school type of offense. The story on Ross and the reason that he's not being talked up as a top 15 guy, he had a great freshman year. His sophomore year, he had a, a pretty significant neck injury to the point that like people kind of questioned if he was going to play football again. And then his junior year, he came back and played with DJ uh, Uyunglele, who is not a good quarterback at Clemson, and um, basically really limited his production coming back. So like you have to go back to like Ross's freshman tape to see him like get the ball, but you can watch the All Twenty Two his junior year and see him get open constantly. As long as his neck isn't some sort of a long-term issue, and may- maybe it is, like we, I, I, I don't know. I know it's being talked about as something like that. We'll find out, you know, when these uh, combine medicals start t- to kind of leak and stuff like that. But if his neck isn't an issue, I think Justin Ross is a guy who's just going to explode up off of draft boards. The other guy is uh, Drake London from USC. I know a lot of people talk about him as a top 15 type of guy. I don't necessarily see that, but I do respect his game. The one thing you got to you got to understand about London, and I, I believe he's not running because he had a season-ending uh, ankle injury. Drake London is an acrobatic uh, wide receiver. He's a long-frame guy. He's going to do all the Alan Lazard stuff, Chris Godwin stuff, where he's going to motion down to the line of scrimmage and basically block like a tight end. Um, he was already doing that at USC, so there's no reason he can't do that at the NFL level. He's going to run like a 4-5-6, four, 4-5-8. Five, um he's not a fast dude and i think that's just going to rule him off of a lot of boards but he he's a ready-made player instantly as long as that ankle injury clears and he has a really important role in today's nfl with how these like mcveigh shanahan type of offenses operate i think those type of teams are going to be the teams that really like him yeah he's a player that i'm seeing mocked to the kansas city chiefs a ton and i just don't think that the chiefs would draft him it's 
we don't, don't block Andy, with the receivers. Like, yeah, when they you just look don't Andy do that. Reed's wide receivers and the guys that he's drafted over the years, like he just doesn't fit the mold of that. And you know, I mean, you chance- look at the Packers roster. Compare, just talk about because these are two teams that we're familiar with. We played each other, you know, this past season. Look yeah. at the Chiefs wide receivers versus the Packers wide receivers. The Packers don't roster a guy who's under two fifteen. Yeah. They don't do it. The Chiefs wide receivers are short and skinny. Yeah. <laughs> like, like they're the, not thick guys. Tyree yeah. kills stocky, but he, that that's about it. Like they don't have a lot of bulky wide receivers in that locker. room. No, there's a huge difference. I think now you have to start looking at these wide receivers as are they speed guys who cannot, cannot contribute in the run game at all, unless they have the ball in their hand. Or are they like these kind of like McVay Shanahan type of guys? Because teams are wildly, uh, value those guys differently now. Like we're just at that point in the NFL where the offenses are, are that different from each other that like a guy, a teams will look at Chris Olave and look at Drake London and see them completely different based off of like what their offensive scheme is. Yeah. I, I think about a guy like Michael Pittman, who is a huge wide receiver and that's kind of what I think. And, and I know he's another USC guy, but like, that's a guy I would have been interested in, in a team like the Chiefs targeting because I think he's going to be a really talented player. And the Chiefs just don't draft those kinds of wide receivers. Like go back to Andy Reid's days in Philadelphia. It's just not who they target. Like that's why I think that Justin Ross guy is going to be a guy that a lot of people like. Because so there's Burks and there's Ross, and that's really it in terms of guys who have legit deep speed and are built like like a guy who can block for you. Um, I guess maybe George Pickens from Georgia. Um, he's another guy who had an injury. He tore his ACL in March, uh, ended up coming back for, I believe, the SEC championship game. He had like five receptions the whole year because he was only able to basically play the postseason for the Bulldogs. But those are kind of the guys in this draft class that are like big body dudes who can also run. There's not that much crossover. It, it's kind of one or the other. Yeah, Pickens is another guy that I would be really interested in. Um, you know, assuming he's healthy and we only got to see a little bit of him last season, but I think when he is healthy, he's got a chance to be a really good player. So he's also he's also a dog, man. Like the 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 Michigan game, there's the clip of him. He shushes the sideline, <laughs> destroys the corner, and then shushes the sideline again. Yeah. Against Georgia Tech, he blocks uh the cornerback like into the sideline and then ends up like holding him back with his long arms and just like punching the hell out of him and then throws him into the sidewall at Georgia Tech Stadium. Like that dude is a bully. Like any of these teams where the wide receiver is blocking is like actually really important where you're just putting a hat on a hat on a linebacker or safety constantly. They're going to love dudes like Drake London and George Pickens. Yeah. Let me get that guy. Let me, let me get that guy who's not afraid to go out there and just manhandle some NFL defenders. That's, that's the kind of guy I want on my roster, but, uh, but please make sure you subscribe rate and review everything that we're doing on the SB nation NFL show. You can follow justice on Twitter at J U M O S Q. I'm Steven Serta. That's where you can find me. We'll talk to you guys a little later this week.